Hello, hello, happy Monday and welcome back to the You Uplifted podcast, beautiful soul. Whether it is your first time joining or whether you've been listening from the very first episode, You Uplifted is the place where open hearts and open minds can come together to talk about and discover new ways in which to heal, grow, and fully step into their true potential and power. We talk about and explore different modalities of healing, everything from energetics to how to set boundaries to how to clear, ground, cleanse, and hold space to so much more. And today is definitely not the exception to that rule. Now, my name is Safa and I am your host. I am an intuitive healer as well as a women's health and wellness life coach. And I had the absolute joy and pleasure of talking about perfectionism with the one and only Deborah Gila Brakowitz. Devorah helps high-achieving women entrepreneurs and coaches feel ease and flow so that they can enjoy life while moving forward in their business. As a recovering perfectionist, she understands women who feel pulled in different directions between work and family. She's an intuitive coach and healer who partners with the divine to create powerful energetic shifts that promote better health, well-being, calm, and relaxed peace peaceful alignment and balance. She lives in Israel with her husband and four children, and she is a true delight to have on the show today. Now we cover many different topics, but definitely we get into the idea of perfectionism and how it presents itself into rigidity in our lives and how fluidity can help us to better heal and embody ourselves and so much more. Now, let's listen to this lovely interview. All right. Welcome, Devora, to the show. <laughs> How are you doing today? Oh, it's great to be here with you, Safa. I really love what you're doing. Oh, thank you so much. And I'm really happy that you were able to join today. Um, it took us a little while to get it all set up, but you know what? I think everything happened the way that it needed to. So I'm really happy. <laughs> Absolutely. Everything is in divine timing. Exactly. Well, as always, I like to give my guests a little bit of time to introduce themselves and tell us a little bit about themselves. So I will leave it open to you to tell us about you and your passion. Oh my gosh. So yes, I'm going to fly out of my seat now because I love (laughs) what I do. Um, Yeah. And I also have a podcast. And when I get on with my guests, I listen to them and I'm just taken to other places. I just really love connecting with like-minded people. Mm -hmm. And you know how women entrepreneurs who are spiritually minded can feel pulled in different directions between running their business and their family um, when they're high achievers and recovering perfectionists like I am. They just want to be able to do everything and do it well. And they push themselves hard. And these are the women that I love to help because I crashed and burned uh, in my life when I tried to do it all. And to make long story short, I ended up with chronic illness And that led me into a journey of deep healing and self-discovery. And from that place, I had to start over. I had to 
look at my life differently. I had to look at my relationships differently. My family, I had little kids that I was raising, trying to be the perfect mom, perfect wife, the perfect everything. And so from that place of recovering from illness, I just grew. And this is probably a similar story to a lot of women out there who also coach and heal other people. Um, we have to sometimes rise from a dark place, rise from the ashes in order to move forward. So, you know, in a nutshell, you know, who I am and what I do is all about transformation. It's all about going from darkness into the light. And um, that's, that's pretty much the, the broad way of introducing myself. <laughs> I love it, though, because it's absolutely true. And there is that saying, right? The wound is where the light enters you. And I believe that all healers really do have a very particular experience of that in terms of where we've gone through those spaces of deepest shade is where we've been able to learn the deepest lessons. And then we want to be able to be there for others so that we can help them grow and move through that space of growth as well. So I can completely, I hear what you're saying and I honor it. And I think it's so true. <laughs> yeah. So on the one hand, it sounds very generous and giving. On the other hand, it's very selfish because we are, you know, uh, it says in my tradition, in the Jewish tradition, that the world was created for me. And what does that mean? It means that I'm, I'm here to fix the world, change the world. And in order to do that, I really have to see the world as an extension of myself. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, and we say, you know, love others as you love yourself. Again, starting with the self. self. And we're all creations of the divine. We're all one any case. So... Yeah. I'm just going off into different tangents here. No, I actually think that that's beautiful because there's so much to that in terms of how we relate to ourselves, specifically speaking of um, that need for perfectionism, you know? So you say you are a uh, recovering <laughs> perfectionist. I think I could say the same for myself. And there is this perception and this idea that we've sort of put on ourselves as women to be able to take on everything and do all things regardless and to do them to perfection so that we can further fit into this like good little girl mold. And the reason why that resonates so deeply for me is because I believe so yeah, on the one hand, it could be seen as selfish, but on the other, I think it's more self-aware than anything else. You know, it is that self-awareness that allows you to acknowledge that connection and that same self with the world at large and the universe at large and where there's a lot of healing that can be taken um, that can take place within us and for us. So it's the same in terms of like that perfectionism when we acknowledge that there is nothing external that is going to give us our worth and our value. And we can go internal. There's so much healing that can go into that space. And it's something I know you've had a really, really deeply seated connection with, like you've been there firsthand. So I would love for you to share a little bit more about your experience with that side and perhaps what have been some of the most invaluable tools to you in the healing of that old patterning. That's a great question. And I heard you mentioning before self-awareness rather than selfishness. 
It's so interesting, this whole idea of perfectionism. I think it's because we're really parts of the divine sent here in human form in order to reveal beauty and godliness in the world. And so we, we are perfect. The problem is we're in such a finite vessel. And that's part of, um, of the problem of women who push themselves. And so when I crashed and burned, it was really because I was not taking care of myself, not finding time for myself, because I was waking up early and walking my kids to school and showing them all kinds of things along the way to take advantage of every moment because I knew they were going to grow up so fast. When they came home to do holistic activities with them, to feed their hearts and their souls, and then at nighttime to do mind um, development games while they took their baths at bath time, and then at bedtime read them a thousand stories, and then be ping pong from room to room, back and forth, you know, because this one was calling me and that one was calling me. So overgiving until I was about the same, I dropped down to the same weight I was in high school um, because I was not eating. I was not taking care of myself. My nervous system was so burnt out. And so I landed in the hospital with a chronic illness, uh, a type of multiple sclerosis that affected my brain, my spinal cord, and my eyesight. I was going blind in one eye. Wow. And I thought I would never be able to see my children grow up. And thank God to the miracles of modern medicine and to the healing process that the divine just gives us with, I was able to recover, not just physically, but also um, I gave time to myself to invest in, in healing, in learning how to live a better life, take care of myself. And part of that process actually had to do with uh, the work that I'm doing now. And I was wondering if I could just take a, a moment to share that with you. Oh, absolutely. I would love that. So before I got sick, I was performing uh, original music, an original show uh, with a partner of mine. And during that process, we were staying up so late. We were both busy moms and we just wanted to have time to work on what we loved and express our creativity. So we had this two woman show. It was, it was great. It was laughter, tears, but we were up after midnight and I'd throw myself into the, into bed, just really totally exhausted. And it wasn't fair to myself. It really wasn't fair to my family. So on top of a busy day, you know, I also was really trying to do the work that I love to do. So um, I remember being on the stage uh, in, I think it was February of 2010. I'm on stage and I'm just feeling like tingles going, you know, in the bottom of my foot and thinking like, that's really weird, you know, and that was our last performance. And then really within a month, uh, I was going for an eye checkup saying, you know, something's going, you know, weird with my eyesight. And if you can imagine in the examination room, the eye doctor is looking, he's going, like going from one eye to the other eye to back to the other eye. He's really confused. He runs out the door and he comes back and he says, Mrs. Berkowitz, where would you like to spend the, pe the Passover holiday, you know, in the hospital A or in hospital B, basically. Mm. He sent me out there in an emergency. And so, you know, that was my wake up call. And when I'm sitting in the hospital with the MRI scan, looking at it, 
I'm looking at a picture of my brain basically, and it's got these white spots on them, which was inflammation. You can, can you imagine, you know, missing parts of your brain, wow. the myelin sheaths that get inflamed and then decay. And, you know, this doctor is explaining to me that these are called UBOs. They're unidentified bright objects. And I'm thinking, oh, there's UFOs flying out around <laughs> in my brain, you know, trying to make light of, so I, I still hadn't really gotten it. And then it really occurred to me, like, I'm looking at the inside of my head. Like, wow. you've got to change something. You've mm -hmm. got to change something. And so oh, that's when I made a decision that I was going to turn, turn my life around. It's so incredible because, again, I think we, it just comes from such a place of us wanting to be everything to everyone all the time while still putting ourselves at the bottom of that list. And then also having really heightened expectations of what it has to, you know, like with that actual quote unquote, like heavy burden of the word has to be like and look like in our lives for us to be able to say, hey, I am uh, this or that or the other, whether it's successful or worthy or, you know, entrepreneurial or I don't know. There's so many different words and there's so many different actions that we tie to external valuing and external sort of reinforcing of the self. And a lot of times it comes at the expense of ourselves. And I'm just amazed because, yeah, I mean, I, I see it and I hear it all the time with my own clients where there is chronic fatigue and there are these imbalances in the nervous system stemming from having such heightened levels of stress. And it just, it's, and I know, I mean, I've experienced it myself. I think probably one of the very first panic attacks that I ever had came about because I was putting so much stress on myself and I wasn't really doing anything to, to take care of myself and to be proactive in such a way that I could heal and be with myself and love myself more tenderly. And I also tend to, as someone who's like basically all fire all the time, burn the candle at both ends, right? And to a certain degree, I still give myself permission to do that because it keeps me going and it keeps me flowing. But at the same time, I've learned that there can be a very heightened level of rigidity when we allow ourselves to become so hyper-focused on all of those external factors and so hyper-focused on the idea of control and perfectionism that we lose the connection and the true power of fluidity, which I know is one of your sort of key points to work within, that fluid motion, how things continuously change and evolve and how the divine itself works so deeply embedded within that because it is a fluid thing. And I see the same thing within the sacred feminine. So talk to us a little bit about that part of your process and that part of your learning, even as you've, you know, moved through this type of change in your own life. Right. And so that's so beautiful the way that you described that and the, the, the really important uh, message that I want to get across is um, not only are we beautiful divine beings in human form, um, we're also 
um, very vulnerable to the human experience and need to recognize that with the self-awareness and with compassion. So compassion was the thing that really helped me through this, this process um, right after I got out of the hospital and was on my healing process. I took my performing gift and I started to coach women on voice and I had a deep calling to help women like myself to that wanted to get in touch with singing to express their voice, not just uh, their outer voice, but also their inner voice. And I developed a holistic vocal coaching program um, that, uh, that then evolved into what I'm doing now, really based on compassion for yourself and connecting to that divine within. And what I found was these women were not just developing beautiful, gorgeous voices from the vocal technique, but their, their, the beauty of their voice was coming from a deep place within, from that place of self-compassion and the place of connection with the divine. And from this place, they actually started to heal their relationships. So I found this connection between expressing your voice mm-hmm. um, and connecting to the divine um, and how they, they brought that home into, uh, into the expression that they had with, with people that they loved. And in, in one case, um, someone that she, she, she met, um, there was a woman who went through a terrible breakup and through our process, she healed and also met her soulmate, the love of her life and got married. Um, and another woman healed her marriage and was able to become pregnant after years of trying because she was able to open up into deeper, more compassionate levels of herself. She was able to let go of that drive to, to go, go, go. And she was able to have uh, empathy just for being that beautiful divine being in human form. And so compassion is really important part of our healing process, especially for um, high achieving women who want to do it all. Like we, we can't do it all. We shouldn't do it all. And we need to recognize that and have just loads of compassion that we are imperfectly perfect. Mm-hmm. It's one of my favorite phrases. Absolutely. Or perfectly imperfect. Maybe I got it backwards. <laughs> Imperfectly perfect. Perfectly imperfect. <laughs> I love it. And there's so much, yeah, like I said, there's so much to that that bespeaks the fluid nature of universe, really. Because, yes, universe is in a state of creation, but it is in a state of fluid creation. It's never a very rigid or a very strict or a very panicked sort of creation or even a very aggressive sort of creation, which I think sometimes is where we miss the mark a little bit in terms of we think that by heightening our productivity, by taking on more, doing more, asking for help less, um, maybe even quieting our voices more now that I'm listening to you say all these things about the power of that vibration of the voice and all of that, um, that we kind of miss the mark that when we do those things, what we're actually calling forth is more of that same stagnant type, very rigid or very aggressive energy when in truth creation is not 
like that at all. It's actually much more organic and it comes from a place that doesn't self-deplete, you know? So yeah, the I love what you're saying about the fluidity of the universe, of creation. I like to look at the universe as my as my sister and partner with the divine um, who created the universe and me and everything in it. And this fluidity is a great sign because it teaches us that change is possible, that wherever we're stuck in our life, whether it's stuck in our business because we can't make a decision or we're not getting that consistent income or we can't move forward or whether it's stuckness in our family because we're just so moody that we're arguing with our spouses or our partners or our children that change is possible because it is inherent in the blueprint of creation that the divine is always creating the world again and again at every moment if you could look under a, a an energy microscope and could look at the most subtle forms of energy you would see the world coming in and out of existence again and again and again we learn this from authentic kabbalah and so we're never stuck we can always move forward and that's what i love about the the lesson of this fluidity of the universe what are your thoughts on that Oh my gosh, I couldn't agree more. And I think it's it's so important for us to remember it because that is the space where we are able to grow and heal and transmute. I always joke around that I've had several different Kali faces in my life. And the reason is, well, I feel very much, I'm a person who relates very deeply to story because I think that in tales that we tell one another, humans, we are able to gain further insight into our true selves, right? We're able to further understand why it is that we tick the way that we do, so to speak. And so to me, Kali as the goddess that is destructive is so powerful because I think a lot of times we fear that which demands change and that which is going to bring about a transformation because transformation very seldom is you know rainbows and butterflies it's more often very challenging and it can be very painful and it's something that we can move through but it requires presence and strength and awareness and grace in so many different levels and in many different ways so i love that concept and so i speak to that continuously where i say well i've gone through several several different colleagues faces in my life where it feels like she's come through and bulldozed everything in order for beautiful new creation to come about. And I think that that is another sort of layer to this need of, I want to call it, it's a part of the perfectionism idea, but I also know that it has a bit to do with, or a lot to do with the idea of control. We like to believe that there is such a thing as control because it makes us feel somewhat more stable. And when things feel imperfect and when things feel like they are moving at their own pace or developing in a way that we perhaps had not planned, we tend to feel very out of place. Whereas when we are able to root down into the truth of, like you said, the fact that everything is continuously regenerating, 
then we can allow much more freely. And that particular word has come up, I promise, like the last five or six episodes. So it must be a message that is needed at the moment because the sense of allowing, the sense of being, the sense of really being in co-creation with self, essentially as the universe, right, embodied, is so, so unique and 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 needed and beautiful. So I love that you you bring that up because yeah, I see that as a big, it's a big point for us to remember that it's good, you know, change, transformation. It may not always feel as such because like I said, it may make us feel unsteady, but at the end of the day, the things that can come from it are tremendously worth it. So you're saying so many important things here and I really can relate to how scary transformation can be having gone through several ego deaths. And the thing is that the more we try to control, uh, the harder things are. Mm -hmm. The controlling brain leads us into resistance, into more fear. And once the the theme came up in one of my groups, um, what is the opposite of control? And the answer is not, um, you know, lack of control the the um answer was trust the opposite of control is trust when we let go of control and allow as you were saying and we trust in the process of life something really magical happens we're able to open up into possibility we're able to open up into a healing transformation that isn't so painful and if we just get curious and get into that side of our brain that can expand and connect to possibility, then we can grow into that transformation from a more calm and relaxed and supported place. And a couple ways to do this are asking yourself, uh, there's two kinds of curiosity questions that I love to use. And one of them is, a what if question Mm -hmm. and the other one is an i wonder question so for example like what if everything that i thought was true um what if that's not important anymore or i wonder what the divine is going to bring to me today just questions that help you get a, a space of expansion of openness so that you can partner with the divine. Because when you open up into curiosity and let go of control, you're actually giving the, the, the control back to the divine, right? Like man plans and God laughs or <laughs> let sure. go and let God, right? We know those kind of axioms. And often what I've seen in my own life is if I try to control, God just looks at me and says, you want to control? Okay, here, take this, see what you do with it. And it doesn't turn out so good. So yeah, opening up to curiosity from a place of compassion and self-awareness. Um, these are, are tools that, that I use regularly in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that so much. And I think we take them for granted too as well, these tools. We know about them, perhaps we've used them once or twice, but at the same time, it's much simpler to keep pushing through, especially 
the way that we relate to our society, right? We keep sort of either resisting something or trying to force it or running away from it altogether. Um, so the fact that that we can bring awareness to that and that we can allow and help to hold that particular kind of creative space for ourselves first and then for others, I think is truly important. And you know what? I'm also thinking about just how different our bodies truly are in terms of how they respond to things, whether it's stimulus, whether it's emotion, you know, all of these things I think also we tend to take for granted because we know, you know, we know that stress causes disease. But how often do we keep on going and keep on pushing past a point where we know instinctively or on an intuitive level that is healthy simply because we either have prior understanding of what it means to exist in this world, right? Or a, a conceived idea of that. Or we believe that somehow we are the exception to that one rule or that it's all mumbo jumbo, you know, and what that does and how it kind of takes a toll. So for me, like one of the biggest things I've, I've discovered in my own life is when I'm in a constant state of push, 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 and I don't balance and I completely bypass my intuition, I start shutting down. Like my body physically shuts down. You know, my body temperature drops. I start shivering. My hands get shaky. Uh, it's incredible to me how perceptive the body is. And yet to an outsider, that might just seem like uh, hysterics, you know, or it might seem like dramatics or like it might seem like, oh, this is just something that, you know, XYZ person does or doesn't do for XYZ reason. And then we become dismissive of that. And I think that that might be one of the reasons why a lot of times, especially for us as women, um, because the feminine tends to get very, very quieted down when it comes to physical representation, like whether it's sickness, um, whether it's like just the sense, et cetera. I think that we get very minimized in terms of like, oh, you know, you're just exaggerating, you're just et cetera. It happens a lot even in the medical community. But the reason I was saying that is it's it's interesting to me how like when things present to themselves, we still kind of get shut down in that way. And I think that that's part of the reason why we continue to further push past a point where we know it's safe is because, oh, but we've been told, nope, this isn't true. And I'm immediately becoming invalidated about this. And so then I have to keep going. Has that been, like, is that something that you see maybe not just within yourself, but within your clients as well? Is it something that you've perceived and what would be your advice as to how better to maneuver that? Actually, what you're bringing up had to do with this uh, podcast interview that, uh, that I uh, had this week on my show where my oh, guest wow. was a beautiful uh, bodywork um, um, practitioner and artist who specializes in using movement to release stress and get back into the innate creativity of the body. And so we had a lovely conversation about how uh, we um, were blocked uh, with all the stress and because of the educational system teaches us to focus more in our heads and in our bodies. And the funny part is that in the live session that I gave her, what she brought to the table was exactly this issue. 
so that none of us really can escape it 100%. So her issue was pushing herself and getting back into the flow. And, and we laughed about the fact that, you know, as coaches, we, uh, we are our best clients and we teach the thing that we mo mo most need to learn. And by working through it and going through it, then we can lead others. And so in her session, there was this amazing moment where um, she was in a relaxed state to get that intuitive guidance. And I was about to ask her a question um, out of, you know, to get her into a place of curiosity, to get her guidance. And I asked her the question and she actually had come up with the answer before I had even asked the question because she was in that relaxed state. So two things here. One is the importance of getting into a relaxed state um, as often as you can remember to do it, to get yourself out of stress, and that that's the key to getting clarity and that's the key to uh, finding the answers that you need. And so the answer that she got from that place of curiosity and, and relaxation was uh, basically not to take life so seriously. And she had a good laugh mm -hmm. uh, from that. So if we can remember, uh, and it's kind of hard, we need reminders, we can remember to not take life so seriously uh, to help us to not push ourselves so hard. And the thing is, we need visual reminders. We can't just live in our heads and expect to remember every lesson that we learn. Sure. We need to have the visual reminders. So whether that's a book that you have read that, that you love and has beautiful teaching points in it, whether it's a, uh, a painting that reminds you to relax or a post-it note that says, uh, take your nap or something like that. And of course, having a coach to give you accountability is you know, is, is really a good idea. Um, but we need visual reminders to get us out of stress. Um, and one more thing is that I think that I have had, for me, enough experience with the very negative results of being unstressed mm -hmm. that having had to learn the hard way, when I get into that pushing, pushing mode, I realize that and I'm able to stop myself and I get up and I lie down uh, and I take that break. And it has taken a lot of life experience to get to that point. And I don't want, you know, other people to have to go through breakdowns and chronic illness or to get to that point, mm -hmm. uh, which is why it's so important to prevent, you know, to prevent that stress and overwhelm and have um, a system in place to relax a system in place to become more self-aware to release those difficult emotions to release those negative thoughts and uh to 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 grow into a more expansive version of who you are before you have to go through an ego death or a painful transformation we want to have that system set up before you reach that point Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's equipping yourself with tools that can definitely, and practices, you know, that can be useful at times where you can make best use of them and then grow from there. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that so much. And then um, 
before we wrap things up here, if you could just give us perhaps your top three words or just tools, however you want to do that, however that feels better for you, um, for us to slowly move away from the old patterning of perfectionism and start embodying the true flow of life a bit more. Absolutely. I'll give you five of them. I call them my five C's. The five C's. And we actually covered some of them already. So this will be a good review to tie it in. So this is like the path to uh, transformation that I use in my life and, and with my clients and starts with that self-awareness. So it's conscious awareness, being aware of what it is that I'm thinking, what am I feeling? How does it show up in my body? So that's conscious awareness. Second C is compassion, having compassion on myself that I am a human being and I'm imperfect and I'm going to go through these difficult moments and these challenges. So compassion. The third C is curiosity, is opening up that part of my brain that can bring in new possibilities and gets me out of being stuck. You know, what if this didn't matter? I wonder what, you know, what's coming next. I wonder how these dishes are going to get washed. I tell you, they get washed really fast that way rather (laughs) than I just hate washing dishes, right? So curiosity. And then the fourth C is creativity. So that comes in when you're from a place of curiosity. When you're open um, and you're relaxed and you're in an expansive state, then you can create a new insight, a new perspective, a new, uh, let's say, with my clients, I like to ask them, well, what's a title that you would give this moment? And for this woman I spoke about today, it was nap time because she mm-hmm. decided that she needed to take more naps to get herself out of overdrive. So it's creativity. And then after that, the last C is committed action. So we want to bring all these ideas and very nice release work into the world so that we can accomplish things we want to do for our life and business. So that's committed action. What is the next step that I need to take in order to move me forward. And if I want to plan it out, you know, what is the next uh, week look like? What does the next month look like? And so on. So committed action. So again, the five C is conscious awareness, compassion, curiosity, creativity, and committed action. And when you go through this process, you're able to lead yourself through um, from stress and overwhelm into getting stuff done and feeling a lot better about it and chances are you're going to follow through with the thing that you wanted to do. Mm, Oh my gosh. Yep. I love that. (laughs) I love that. And we've got two final things to cover here. The first one is one of my favorite things to ask my guests, which is what would be your advice or your take on how we can better become empowered and uplifted? Oh, that's easy. How you can become better empowered and uplifted is to connect to the divine, whatever that means for you. We're not here alone. We're not meant to struggle and to suffer. We're meant to bring divinity into the world. We're meant to uplift the world by infusing it with the divine. And each of us is unique in that way. Each soul came here for a different purpose, sent directly from that beautiful divine energy. So to be uplifted is to connect to your divine self, to your purpose, 
and to, um, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I love it so much. Yep. And I agree. And then the last thing is where can the listeners find you and connect with you? So you can find me at my podcast, Ease and Flow for the Purpose Driven Soul. And that you'll find um, meditations and live sessions and lots of juicy tidbits and um, (laughs) support on how to find more peace and alignment and balance in your life and getting out of stress and overwhelm. So that's number one, the podcast. Mm-hmm. Number two is my website, easeandflowsoul.com, where you can find a free download, where you can find information on how to have more calm and relaxation in your life. And other than that, I'm also on LinkedIn and Facebook if you want to connect there as well. Wonderful. Yep. And all of that information will be in the notes for the show. So thank you so much for taking time out of your day to join me. And it's just been such a beautiful conversation. So I hope to talk to you again soon. My pleasure, Safa. I really enjoyed the conversation and connecting with you, a beautiful, like-minded soul. Welcome back, beautiful listeners. I truly hope that this conversation was inspiring to you and that you can feel the nature of divine fluidity move within you. And as always, if you have any questions or if you want to reach out to me, whether it's to work one-on-one or to simply ask me to bring a particular guest on the show or bring one back, etc., feel free to email me. I always love hearing back from all of you. The email is info at nourishingpaths.com. And you can find me on Instagram at nourishing underscore paths. Remember that the best way to show support for the show is by subscribing and leaving a five-star uplifting review. That helps other people to find us and it continues to share the light with many others. So feel free to share the love and I look forward to seeing you next week for another episode of You Uplifted. Until then, have a beautiful day.